Welcome to the East Career Podcast, brought to you from the East Careers and Trauma Committee. I am Jamie Coleman from Indiana University. In this session, we are pleased to have Dr. Bruce Crooks here with us to discuss work-life balance, does it really exist? Dr. Crooks is an Associate Professor of Surgery at the Medical University of South Carolina. Dr. Crooks has been an active member of EAST since 2004 and has been a recipient of the EAST Raymond H. Alexander Award, Trauma Research Scholarship, and Leadership Scholarship. He's also a proud husband and father of four children. Dr. Crooks, thank you for sitting down with us today to discuss a topic that truly represents a struggle for many of us. To start off, what does work-life balance mean to you? Well, I think it's finding satisfaction um, and pleasure and happiness in both work and at home. Um, and both of those things um, are composed of subparts, meaning work and home. Um, and there are parts to each which gives us different levels of satisfaction and pleasure. So do you think work-life balance means the same thing then to both male and female surgeons? Oh, I think it goes beyond uh, meaning the same thing to to male surgeons and female surgeons. I, I think it's an individual um, uh, an individual goal that we all strive to, and I don't think it matters whether you're a man or a woman or if you're a surgeon or a physician's assistant, uh, an anesthesiologist or an emergency room uh, physician. I think it's it's customizable to each individual. Do you? think that there are specific challenges, though, to those of us that are surgeons versus an anesthesiologist or a physician extender? I don't, I don't think there's any question uh, in my mind that the, the surgical lifestyle is probably the most demanding out of all three of those. I think, on the other hand, what we all have to keep in mind is that we control our own work-life balance to some degree, and it doesn't really matter what you do, um, be it if you're an anesthesiologist or physician's assistant. You can, you certainly can throw that balance, that that drive to maintain uh, those two things in an, a those two halves of your life um, um, out of balance um, by making choices on your own in terms of what you want to prioritize and what you want to um, uh, not stress. For many of us, and I know myself included, there just never seem to be enough hours in the day to get everything accomplished. What are some practical ways or means that you use to stay efficient, both in your hospital and home responsibilities? <laughs> uh, that's a tough question. So I, uh, for, me, for me personally, what tends to work is I tend to be uh, or I try to be um, as digital as I possibly can. So I try to keep my calendar on my on my uh, my phone and on my computer up to date as as much as I possibly can. And I try to cue my family into those things. Um, and I'm also a big to-do list kind of person. So I am constantly organizing and prioritizing things on a to-do list. Now, it, I'll, admittedly, it's rare that I get through my whole to-do list on a daily basis. But I do take a great deal of satisfaction in watching things get checked off as I kind of work my way through my day or my week or my month. What is the biggest obstacle for you to maintain balance between your personal and professional life, and how do you overcome it? Um, I think, you know, I think there, 
there's two components to that answer. The, I think one of the hardest things to do is to learn how to say no to something. Um, and that um, I, is a problem that I continually struggle with um, on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, to say no to um, um, another case, a case in the operating room at work, or to say no, you know, I, I just can't um, stay late today, or to say no, I, I I just can't pick up that extra call. Those things are very hard because we want to, by nature, we all are, um, surgeons in particularly, are, are programmed and driven to work very hard. Um, and we think um, to some degree that it's a sign of weakness or failure to ourselves to say no to something. On the other hand, each one of those individual choices has has dramatic impact on the other people in your live, lives. Um, including your spouse and your kids, and you have to be able to weigh and put those two things together. Well, to flip the script on you a little bit, let's okay. say let's say our interviewing your wife. Yeah. What do you, What do you think she sees as the biggest obstacle in maintaining balance in your family? Um, I, oh, I don't think there's any question. She'd probably she'd tell you that it was my job and the commitments that my job has. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think my wife has ever seen a call schedule that she liked. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, um, I could be on for one call a month and she'd say, geez, you know, next month you're going to get killed. It'll be miserable. Um, but by the same token, I'm very fortunate um, in that she picks up a lot of the slack uh, for me. So a lot of – I have four children, so there's a lot of child care that needs to happen. And fortunately for me, she is uh, – um, she's kind of the rock that holds our family together and compensates for all the times where I can't be there or can't be at home um, and helps out a lot. Now, that, that certainly puts a lot of burden on her. I don't think there's any question, but um, she does. She's, um, she's great. I'm very fortunate because my wife um, uh, is, a, is a nurse, so she has some understanding of what um, you know, I go through on a daily basis. What advice do you have for the spouses of surgeons? Boy, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I think they have to understand and know, um, I think, first and foremost, what they're getting into. And, that, and that's very hard because, you know, Jamie, you and I both know what, how, what the commitment is like to do this as a career and the kind of the physical stress and strain that happens as a part of that. Um, and I think it's harder for spouses to understand, uh, mostly because they're not doing it. Um, on the other hand, I think it's imperative that they kind of get a feel for what, um, how your day goes and, and what your commitments are. By the same token, however, I think that as um, the surgeon or the physician has to also understand um, that when your spouse is pushing back and saying, geez, you know, I really need your help with this, it's probably a good time for you to make some decisions at, at, at work to say, you know, I, I can't stay late tonight. I have to go help out with this or that. I have to be there for my, my son's lacrosse game or whatever else uh, is going on. And that actually leads perfectly into the next question, which is for someone who is already off track, things aren't going well, their life is out of balance, what advice can you give on how to turn things around with their job and with their family? Um, you know, I, I had a, a mentor once 
uh, or still do, um, who had that very problem. And um, I've been fortunate in that I, I think I've done a I think I've done a good job on that front. But you know what my mentor kind of said to me is he got to a point where he was scheduling himself down to five minute intervals in his day. And he took a step back and he said to himself, you know, this is just, this is insane. I can't keep this up and um, create happiness and space for my family. And what he started to do was to push back against that rigid scheduling and begin to um, set aside larger blocks of time for his family. And I think that that's, I think you have to realize this. Family and your relationship at home with your spouse is work, just like your job is. And the reality is if you're you're not happy and your family's not happy at home, you're not going to be happy at work and vice versa. Um, so I think taking, um, resetting yourself and reorganizing your priorities and pushing your family up further towards the top of the, the list or if not the top of the list, is probably the best way to try to reset. Now, that, that it's easy to say. I think it's a lot harder to do. You know, one of, I, uh, one of the things that I found is that um, I was developing a bad habit of leaving work and bringing work, work home with me mentally, you know. And what I decided to do is I actually have a, I have a geographic marker in my drive home, which is the bridge over to Charleston. And I, I told myself whenever I cross over the bridge going home, I'm going to forget work or leave work behind me, and whenever I drive in in the morning and drive over the bridge, um, I'll leave home on the other side, meaning that all the all the stresses and strains of home, I'm going to leave over there and pick up the work stresses as I get over. It's helped me a little bit. I don't know. It's, it's a nice division between home and work, I suppose. And what do you do when you have a work commitment that collides with a personal one? How do you prioritize? Um, I I think it depends it depends on the magnitude of each commitment. I I certainly have um, had work work commitments that I've had to prioritize over home, and in that circumstance, I've had to tell my children or my wife, listen, I just I can't do that, and um, um, and and sacrifice a little bit of that that time. On the other hand, if I have uh, a priority or something at home that I just have to do. Um, I will uh, barter or trade or, you know, um, try to rearrange things at work, knowing that the repercussions of that are going to be sizable and, and decide whether or not that's a, um, you know, the repercussions are something I'm willing to accept based upon how important I have, uh, what my home commitment is at that time. Are there any sacrifices you feel that you have made in your professional career for your personal home life? Uh, I don't think there's any question. So, you know, my priorities and things have changed uh, for me, um, particularly as my children have gotten older. When my children were younger, um, and I'm I'm talking about, you know, infants and, and toddlers, one of the things I would do frequently um, at my, my previous job is I was on call from home, and I would make sure that I ended my day so that I could get home, help my wife get my kids the kids off and put to bed, and then I would just pick up my call. I took call from home, so I would just pick up everything, you know, from there on out once the kids were in bed um, so that if I had a, a, an OR case that was hanging out at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I would put it off till 9 at night so that I could go back in and do the case um, as, as best I could. Now, as my kids have gotten older and the commitments 
for them have been more along the lines of um, they need much more emotional support, um, time with other things. I have uh, certainly rearranged um, what I've done to accommodate that a lot. I find that I do a lot less research at home, which has been a big sacrifice for me. Um, and I do a lot more. I spend try to spend a lot more quality time with them, uh, working with their homework and after-school sports and things, um, to the detriment of the things that get pushed aside at work. Um, you know, things like the the research project that I have to do or the PI thing that I have to do, which I'll try to do late at night now. Well, let's say you have a boss or you have a chairman who isn't understanding or supportive of family commitments. Yeah. How could you overcome this? Or is it just time to find a new job? Um, I think I think if you can't find a strategy that um, is going to allow you to accomplish the, the goals that you have with your family, you know, raising a family, then it may be time to look for a different job situation. And um, I found that at my, my previous job that uh, we were running a little shorthanded and the commitments for me um, that I had there were taking out a large toll on my family. So my decision at that point was to look for a new job in a better situation. Um, but that, you know, that was me at that point in my life and my career. I just felt that my family was much more important, I think, um, than what I had going out at work. I think as I get older, my bet is once my children become 16, 17, 18 years old and, um, you know, don't care if dad's around so much, I may be in a position where, you know, my my perspectives with work change a little bit and I begin to prioritize that a little bit more and do more research and uh, spend more time doing more time doing outreach visits and things like that. But I think I think your goals are going to shift based upon the, the ages and the needs of your family. Um, but to loop back around your question, I think if you can't find that work-life balance and your family is a priority for you, it may be time to go out and look around and see what else is available for you so that you can find it. What is a common mistake you see surgeons make in regards to work-life balance? You mentioned previously your mentor. Are there yeah. any other examples you can think of? Um, you know, I think one of the I, – I, I think, again, one of the biggest problems we all have is saying no um, and prioritizing and putting family ahead um, of our job from time to time, which I think is incredibly important. And I think the problem that we all get into um, is we feel guilty when we do that. And I don't think that you necessarily have to have the guilt um, the guilt when you say no to work. I, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that I think that a, a strong family life and a strong uh, relationship with your spouse actually helps us to be better physicians and better caregivers and to understand um, what the families of the people that we take care of are going through. So I, th I think those are priorities when it comes down to how um, – I, I think that the things that we do at home um, actually make us better clinicians, so that's what I like to think. In taking the 30,000-foot view, so to speak, what yeah. is the main message or piece of advice that you would like to give our audience today about maintaining a healthy work-life balance? I, you know, I think the biggest 30,000-foot view would be to try to keep things in perspective. Um, you're, I think 
the hardest thing for us is we're not going to be able to be there for every lacrosse game that our, our children have. Um, I think that, you, you know, we're probably not um, always going to be able to coach your your uh, daughter's uh, rec, rec league um, soccer team. On the other hand, I think that we need to um, maintain those two things in an equilibrium that makes us happy at both at work and at home and keep your family happy. Um, and I think the hardest thing is to step back and take that, just as you said, the 30,000-foot view and understand when that balance is tilting out of proportion. Well, on behalf of the East Careers and Trauma Committee, I would like to thank you, Dr. Crooks, for taking time to speak with us today. I am Jamie Coleman, and I hope you enjoyed the program. When you find a moment of time, please visit the EAST website at www.east.org for more EAST career podcasts and other valuable information. You look at what you've been able to achieve professionally. Um, do you feel like you've altered your goals professionally to keep that happy home? You know, it's interesting because I, I was having this exact conversation with uh, one of my partners here. And one of the things he said is it's a shame um, the way our careers are structured because what happens is you finish, you know, you finish residency and fellowship and you, you come, out, um, come out of that experience full bore, hardcore, ready to be a big academician. And then all of a sudden your kids get older and your obligations for those, those children become, you know, as you know, they become absolutely paramount in your life. And what you wind up doing is starting to push aside some of the other things, like your research, for example, um, which is exactly what's happened to me, is as my children have gotten older and taken up more of my time and become a much bigger priority in my life, you know, if not the biggest priority in my life, my research has kind of been back-tabled and back-burnered a little bit. And I think, you know, I've become very content with that. And I think by the time that my daughter hit 16 or 17, she's like, you know, Dad, buzz off. I don't want you around. I'll start ratcheting up my research into things, you know, a lot more than what I'm doing now. But, you know, it's I think it's looking, taking a long view of your career and kind of looking at it and saying, you know what, this I, I've got my kids. My oldest is 14 now. You know, I can remember the day he was born, and in four years he's gone, you know. And uh, you only get them for a little bit of time. So why not make them number one for a little bit? So do you think some of it is that, you know, we're our own worst enemy? Yeah. You know, we think we're a failure because we haven't done everything by the time we, you know, we're 40 years old. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, you you and I and and, and I'm sure Jamie grew up, you know, have all seen um or want to be, you know, the triple the triple threat, right? You want to be <laughs> teaching, you want to be researching and you want to have the clinical arm and oh yeah, I want to be an administrator too and to do all those things is is and be a a father or a mother or a wife and a husband is next to impossible. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who's been able to do that, or I can think of very few people who've been able to do that and maintain the home life. It just it I just haven't seen it happen that 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 often. It's rare. And one question I have for you too is, you know, I think there's when we talk about work life balance, I think that it's a multi part 
thing that we're talking about. In yeah. other words, I think that, you know, the life balance not just includes children, but it also includes your spouse separate from your children. And oh, then, sure. And then also your own personal health. Absolutely. Know, outside of your spouse and your children. So how do you, what do you do or what are your ways to kind of maneuver it so that your wife doesn't feel getting lost in the mix or that you don't feel lost getting in the mix? Yeah. I mean, I think I think my bet is um, if you interviewed 100 trauma guys, at some point they'd say, I feel like my own, I, I, um, um, I repress my own individual needs for that of my family or my and my job. And, you know, I, I think if you if you looked at us and said, you know, how many of you guys um um exercise on a regular basis or, you know, take your time to do your hobby on a regular basis, I think everybody would probably say they, they really just don't. They kinda of squeeze it in around all the other things that go on. So there's certainly a tendency to sit back and um um repress our own needs in that grand scheme of things. On the other hand, those are to some degree those are the choices we make and sometimes you just you have to say, you know what, I need I need an hour to go run. I just I need some downtime and some alone time just to myself and that's just, just as important as, as the other things that are going on. Um, but by the same token you also have to look at your spouse and realize that they're they're doing a job taking care of the family and the kids and they need you too and um, or your family needs you, and sometimes that overrules everything. It, it's a, it's, it is not easy, and I'd be the last one to say that I've mastered it. With with your your wife, I think you know, she, she's been working probably harder now than she worked when she was working full-time nursing. How did the conversation about, because, you know, my husband and I, you know, when we found out we were pregnant with twins and we already had, you know, a ten month old and it's like, okay, one of us is gonna need to be malleable. Yeah. How did you guys approach decision making of what you were gonna do with both of your careers? Because there's um, also that guilt that you're sort of hosing your spouse's career in yours. Yeah, I don't think there's any I, I don't think there's any question and I you know, I I'm fortunate because my wife um kind of dove on that grenade um and kind of um you know, kind of blew up her own career so that I could keep having mine and we could have a family. Um, I think, you know, what also falls into that and I think is interesting is, um, interesting slash scary is, well, you know, my wife, fortunately for me, has been a dedicated dedicated and, and worked at home. And when my kids were small, that's all she did. As my kids got older, she started working part-time again so she could get a break from the kids. And then as she's gotten, as the children have gotten older and become more independent, she's going back to work a little bit more. So she's ratcheting up the amount of time that she works part-time. What will be very interesting is how she reintegrates um, back into, reintegrates back in society, I guess, as all of my, you know, when my kids finally kind of age out a little bit. Because um, I think we all take, a, we all get a lot of satisfaction from work and our jobs and things like that. I think, you know, Nicole, I was very lucky in that my wife wanted to be a mom, and that for her was the number one number one job, um, and that's something she had looked forward to for a long time. So I, I, it was a pretty obvious choice for the two of us. Um, I don't envy, you know, I, I, it's not an easy decision by any stretch, you know. I, how did you guys do it? 
Jamie. Well, I was, yes, well <laughs> which, you know, my my story's obviously a little unusual, but um my husband um uh is actually uh a retired NFL player and uh, we met in college, I've been dating since I was twenty one. Yeah. Um and you know we are now he's now going back to law school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after he retired. So, you know, it's uh it's interesting. Um Yeah. I, I will say one thing though that I, I slightly disagree with you in that I do think that there's a difference, maybe not in the definition of work life balance, yeah. but in the uh enacting or in the um act of obtaining that between men and women. And and the reason that I say that is I think there's sometimes things that just come down to moms are going to get those questions. And as sexist as that sounds, you know, I've literally been in the trauma bay and, you know, my husband or my nanny or someone will call me to find, you know, where my two-year-old's right shoe is. Oh, sure. You know, and so I think sometimes, and maybe it's just an impression that I get in terms of looking at my male counterparts, who, like you said, you know, sometimes, figuratively speaking, they cross the bridge, they get to work, and and they're kind of done with their their home situation for that day. Um, So I will say that, and that's just an impression. um, Yeah. No, I don't, you know, listen, I I don't, uh, by any stretch, I I might have... um, I might have given you a little bit of the wrong impression. There, you, I, I do not envy my female colleagues at all. I, I think it's much more difficult to be a female surgeon, a female academician, than it is to be a dude. You know, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think there's any question. Um, I, I think that you guys have a much more, a much more difficult paradigm than I do. And I, ha- I have two female partners, you know, one of them is a mom, and, you know, her daughters got sick the other day, and she's like, you know, she called in sick to work and said, I have to stay at home um, and take care of them. And she says, you know, quite honestly, my daughters want mommy. They don't, right. they don't want daddy. And it's a completely different relationship. I don't think there's any question that it's a, it's a much more difficult paradigm to be a mom and a surgeon than it is to be a dad and a surgeon. Well, I think one of the other things that you see is it's Nicole. But um, so for Aaron and I, it kind of came down to finances when we were looking. I mean, right. he has a PhD in chemical engineering. Right. He was running, you know, some R and D for a, a startup in town. He has an MBA. You know, it's been the best educated house husband ever. Yeah. Um, but when it came down to it, we started looking at it. I think first there's that decision: Do you want someone in your home helping you with your children or not? And then I think one thing that it's not the pregnancy component that's so challenging. I mean, trust me, pregnant with twins at five feet tall, sucked, sucked, sucked. They were born at 40 weeks. They were 7, 14, and 6, 12. (laughs) And I pretty much couldn't fit my feet into shoes anymore. But I think what's actually more challenging, and I think, Bruce, you know, you have that now also with your wife going back to work again, is child care and child care that works oh. with our schedule that doesn't start at 8 o'clock in the morning and that goes past 5 o'clock at night where you can have a two-career family without having, you know, Jamie's had child care challenges, you know, they've brought an au pair in and I think, you know, there's kind of that, you know, can you do that decision and then, you know, do you have a uh, 
a part of your pair that, like your wife, is a really great stay-at-home mom or, you know, working inside the home mom, where that's not necessarily the perfect fit for everybody. I think the question I got a lot when I was pregnant with the twins is, well, are you going to come back full-time? It's like, well, how am I exactly supposed to do this part-time? Yeah. So, and then, well... I mean, you know, listen, I had, we had um, au pairs for four years or five years, uh, four years, Um, you know, and my wife works... What, what's I'm not that? Lie. It's been a godsend. I'm not gonna lie. Oh no, and it certainly was for us. It was it was one of the best investments we ever made. It gave my wife some time to decompress yeah. right. and escape. Um, it gave um, me the sense of um, the sense of uh, stability where I could say, you know what? Listen, I I, I can't come home right now. I got to work. That you know, it's okay. The au pairs there to help out. Right. Um, but the other component is, you know, now I, we don't have the au pairs. My ch- my children are older, and my wife works as a port room nurse, and she frequently has to be at work. At um, she leaves the house at uh, six fifteen, six thirty in the morning, so that she's some there are days of the week where she has to leave earlier than I do, and we have to be careful to coordinate our schedule so that one of us is there to get my kids on the bus right. at six forty five. The buses come late. One yeah, day, depending. So, do you think we've we've managed? You know, when the kids were younger, um, we had a combination of daycare and then three different sitters in the evening for when I was working, etc. And I think if I were to give advice to anybody planning a family as a surgeon, one, figure out what you and your spouse's strengths are. If neither of you are really a good fit for being at home, then that's yeah. not the best for your child necessarily. And I think it's so personal for everybody. No, but the question, but... you know, we get with Aaron is, oh, so what do you do? Like, it's there's still not quite the acceptance of the dad having scaled back a little bit. It's a lot mm-hmm. better than it used to be. Um, I think that, you know, what you said, Bruce, where it's it's so much a personal, you have to find the right solution for your own family and then the right solution with your partners. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that you know, that's the other thing. We all, I mean, how many of us know, like, part-time trauma surgeons? Like virtually no one is, you know. Every, it's a full-time gig for everybody. It, it, I think it would be nice. If, well, does, if, but does it have to be? Is it because no. that's what we accept, or is I, it because I, that's the pressure we put on ourselves that we can't possibly do something? And I do think sometimes in academics, if you're part-time, you're just a really poorly paid full-time person. Yeah, I completely so. agree. And I think as a profession, we probably need to start thinking about that a little bit more. You know, about being a little bit more flexible on that because, you know. I think we, um, as a group, we're a bunch of masochists, you know, that don't say yeah. no to anything. And I think moving forward, if we're if we are going to have any chance in, as a community, decreasing our divorce rate and our substance abuse rates and our alcohol burnout rates rate. and our burnout rate, you know, which is the biggest thing or one of the scariest things to me. Um, and so that we can take care of people, I, I think we have to start developing some strategies as a community to start dealing with that. You know, for example, like airline pilots, you do, you know, you work three days in a row or whatever, and you have to have a mandatory 24-hour layover. You know, how many times have we said something like, have we even discussed that as a trauma group? Never. Or it's you know, been completely land-based as soon as it gets mentioned. Yeah. We're saying, you know, I mean, how many times has someone said, you know, I'm just too tired to do this? You would get beat up. 
you know, by all your peers. They'd all call you a sissy and a, and a wuss and whatever, and and we'd all feel foolish. But, I mean, how many times you sat there and said, you know, I am really beat and I can't do this? You know, and then the well, other component. It, but not necessarily yeah, done anything I mean, about it. And the other component is, quite honestly, what do, what do you start to do with the aging the aging guys? Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you, as I'm getting older, I feel it when I'm post-call more and more. I don't recover. Like I, yeah. <laughs> it takes oh, there's no days. question. You know, I there's no way. I do a you know a, an every other night call now. I'm dead. I'm a goner. There's just no yeah. way. You know, we do a Friday Sunday so that there's less of us here on the weekend again, so that we can have some sort yeah. of life balance. But going from that into a week in the unit, I pretty much want to poke my eyes out with steaks. Right, so. and then the other component to that is you're dead at home. Mm-hmm. You know, you I mean, how many times you've been you worked all night and you go home and you're just useless to your spouse. Just as much as I want to say, you know, I leave everything at work on this side of the bridge. Um, I don't leave the fatigue here. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that comes home and that certainly affects, um, you know, my relationship with my wife and my and my kids. And your temper. Yeah. Oh, no question. <laughs> it's much easier to not be bitch mommy when one is a non-sleep deprived mommy or daddy. Yes. Either yes. way. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> There's no question. And I think one of the big, you know, one of the big issues there, I don't know what you guys find is that when I go home and my, you know, when I'm at work and I'm tired, I still have a little bit of a filter that's here. Yep. Uh when I go home and I'm tired, there I my filter naturally kind of drops away. And I get I can get really grumpy really fast, you know, and and I have a tendency to let people know when, when I'm grumpy and I'm at home. Not funny, but you know it, it's, um, it's home is a different environment, and you approach it in a different way, and yeah. uh, it's hard. And I, think I don't know if you guys have had that experience. Definitely, for sure. And I think that that ties into a, a few other things for me. I think kind of the keys are one is having a, a spouse with a fair amount of independence. Is oh yeah, I, I think it's just key when people ask me about you know relationships and marriage and this sort of relationship. I was like, you know. You need to have a spouse who does not depend on you being home for their own happiness. You bet. You know, they have to find their own happiness in life, you know, with you as a partner but not depend on it. And then I think the second part of that is, you know, saying and making sure everyone's aware, you know what, mommy's going to be a much happier mommy if she gets a 30-minute nap. I know mm-hmm. you want me right now, but, you know, taking that time – or parceling out, or like you said, you know, a 30-minute run or whatever. But taking that personal time, I think you're right. I think that's the first thing off of all of our lists. Yeah. But I think when it's when you start really filing down and trying to figure out, okay, why am I having problems with my spouse? Or, you know, why am I burning out? Why do I feel burnt out all the time? It's because we're not taking that personal. So I think, you know, I try and tell people to, Stay selfish to a certain extent because it's not really selfish. Because when you're a happier person, everyone around you benefits from it. Patient, work, family, etc. And then the third part of things that I, I tend to tell people is outsourcing. You know what? Like if we're going to start talking about how much I make an hour and then how many hours it's going to take me to do ten loads of laundry yeah. on Saturday, which is my day off, yeah. you know what? Financially, I'm going to come out ahead getting someone to help me. And I think that that's something that, you know, whether you're a male or female, you know, to not only 
acknowledge that and embrace it, but then also support your spouse if they need that. No, I mean, I love you know, your example of you know your your wife needed some time away from the kids, so you had an au pair. Yeah, you know, that it it goes both ways. That you find those things that you know what this is not worth my time. It is not worth my time. Oh, there, there's no question. My cleaning lady doing. could double her bill. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't, I don't tell her this, but I wouldn't blank. I'd pay it in a second because that, exactly. that's how worth it it is to, yeah. to my, my family, you know, and, and particularly to my spouse. Um, you know, the other thing that I, I personally think is important, and I don't know, I, I'd be interested to hear your perspective on this, but trying to get a regular date night in, yeah. in some way, shape, or form, you know, time alone with your spouse is, I find incredibly important. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, and again, I have a probably a perspective that's different from a lot of people, but I think in family, your spouse comes first, your kids come second. Yeah. Um, and I strongly believe that, and that's because I think kids benefit from a strong parental unit. Mm-hmm. Um, when mommy and daddy are getting along, things just seem to go better. Um, and so, yes, I mean, there are times that, you know, I don't like missing bedtime, and there are times that, um, you know, may miss two or three in a row, and I'm like, you know what? I'm still going to go on this date night because my husband deserves that time. You bet. So, and so I, I completely agree. I mean, I think whether it's a joint activity, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to involve dinner and a movie, but just having that time to yourselves outside of your children, I think, is is key to not losing each other. Um, no question. All the change. No question. You know, I think I think you know the other thing that's um, been interesting to see how it's evolved is um, you know how you communicate with your spouse. Um, in that, as I've gotten as I've gotten older, you know, texting has become a big deal. You can, it's almost like you know sharing notes in class. Yeah. You know, you can kind of flip a quick note to your spouse here and there as the day goes by, and you know the. To be honest with you, there's nothing there's nothing nicer than getting a text in the middle of your crappy day that says I love you, you know. Absolutely. Um, and or sending one back, you know, sending one or sending one yourself. It's. Yep. Well, definitely lots and lots of life lessons. Emily, Bruce, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time out of your day and your family's day to do this. And I think hopefully, you know, folks that are listening to this will take this conversation to their partners and to their spouses and to their families and figure out what the best fit for them is and maybe taking some of our snobbery out of it that it's okay to not be the next god of trauma or god of whatever you want to do, um, that the rest of the world's important too. You bet. So, any final words, Bruce? Um, yeah, don't, I mean, just... Uh... You know, there's nothing wrong with prioritizing being a dad or a husband or a wife or a mom. 